We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Wednesday, January fourth. Still the new year. Still, a, still a new, new show. Unstructured learning here on the DFS pregame show. Will we go over the uh, the NBA slate coming up today? No, we won't. No, it's, it's eleven o'clock in the morning, and there's seven hundred million people on the injury report. It's NBA DFS. What the hell can we do this early? So you should be tuning in to the to Grinders Live to Crunch Time later today. We got all the good content. Uh, we got uh, Meansy's core plays. We got all the expert stuff. If you're a Roto Grinders Premium member, so please sign up for that. If you want our projections, you want our ownership, you want the use of lineup HQ, you got everything. So uh, there's a large, it's a big slate today. So uh, sign up, click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month hit those thummy thumbs on your way in the door you know how much i love those good morning to wataz chase simmons suki singh daniels hutchings is here travis selby bart b joe mac johnny ortiz if you got any questions i got the answers we've been talking the past couple of days i'm putting up my 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 work my work of art right should i save this should i save it for a museum my work of art of the distribution curves gpps we talked about that yesterday we talked a lot about in the past couple of days about where the money comes from, right? Where exactly does the money come from? And now I want to transition to how could we try to get our more than our fair share of that money? So if you have any questions specifically on that, on GPP profit distributions, on uh, on exploits, even cash games, whatever, just in general, contest selection, that type of thing, whether it be single entry, large field, multi-entry, whatever, uh, you know, put them in the YouTube chat. You could always send in your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com, even if it has nothing to do with this subject at all. Okay, so just email them in, 
I'm, I've already gotten plenty of uh, from email questions and, and people sending in stuff. We will be covering whatever you send in on this show. Will it be immediate? Probably not. I'll pile them up and go, okay, that's a good topic for today. That's a good topic for today. Then obviously, if you're here in the YouTube chat, you're kind of my priority. You're here live. So if you got anything that, that you'd like to talk about, you could always throw it in. It's kind of like a call-in show, kind of with an agenda, but uh, but whatever. But uh, we got uh, uh, Face 23 sup, sup. Best DFS show around, being a great week. Well, thanks. Hit that thumbs up button, okay? Uh, Travis Selby asks, uh, Blender, can you demonstrate how you would determine a baseline range of projection versus ownership you would be willing to give up using current NBA projections for large field GPPs. I'm struggling determining this in NBA since NBA is not an event-driven sport like MLB. Yes, I'm glad you mentioned it, Travis, because that's kind of what we're talking about today. Kind of, kind of. Uh, on that specific question, don't don't get in the, the this this is, a, this is a very very important point. Okay, because I I get because I get this question all the time where people consume some of this content. And they get into magic settings mode, okay? Always think in terms of, am I getting into magic settings mode? Because magic settings don't exist, okay? So when people ask, it's like, uh, uh, are these settings good for lineup HQ? Like, can I just build 20 lineups? I'm going to have max two guys. I'm going to have a a true range randomness of 10%. And then I'm going to cap my ownership at 110. And then I'm going to, is that good? Like, if... If you're thinking in terms of not in terms of actual lineups, then then you're thinking in magic settings mode. Okay, and the same thing applies to uh, well, how much uh, ownership should be? How much projection should be giving up for ownership? Give me a number. Give me a number. Remember, remember my two rules. My my two rules as far as stupid questions are concerned. I maybe I shouldn't call them stupid questions anymore, but probably the less informed questions is that if you could answer the question with a yes or a no. Or you can answer the question with an exact number, then it's probably that it's uh, you're not going to get those answers. There's not going to be a correct answer. Should I do this on that? And I'm like, it depends, right? A lot of it is it depends. It depends on the slate, the size of the slate, the makeup of the slate, the pricing on the slate. The, the, there's 20 other variables to consider. So if you're going in with that very rigid mindset of like, well, what are the settings on an optimizer? Like you've missed all these other 20 variables. Like that will all depend on this very specific thing that happens today. Now, there are different character traits, right? There are different uh, uh, contextual variables of the slate uh, that determine whether or not, like maybe you don't mind sacrificing more projection. Maybe you don't mind taking on more ownership, right? It depends on the contest you're in, the size of the contest, the, the, the size of the slate, Right, because as the slate gets smaller, then duplication becomes much more of a much more of an issue. On a fourteen game slate, probably don't you probably don't even you're probably not doing as much combinatorial work, right? Where where it's not only full lineup duplication, but like even lineup like oh well, this three person combo is two owned together, and it makes you have to play this this type of player right in this range of that position. And a lot of times on a very large slates, even even that isn't as much of a priority at all because there's just so many more options to choose from and especially so if a lot of the projections are very close to each other so you're you're, you're not in a situation where there's like a like a batch of people that are like really heavily owned and then everyone else is so is so much lower projection of theirs 
that you can't, then you have to think in terms of combinatorial ownership of like, well, I get playing five of these guys together. How many, how many lineups have all five? And then what is, what does the last remaining three have to look like? And then maybe you get into an issue where maybe you're only, maybe then through going through lineup HQ and going through these lineups, you go, yeah, maybe, maybe I could just get rid of these lineups by just going like max four, right? You look at all these five, the lineups with these five combinations and go, I don't think any, I don't think they're, I, I think I'm playing too high owned. What's the easiest way for me to get rid of those lineups in lineup HQ? Well, I'll just set max, max to four of those and set a group of those five players and say max four and then run it and see if you're getting into any other combinatorial issues with that for on two high owned combinations. But you wouldn't know that until you actually do it. So you actually say, let me look at actual lineups and go, is this lineup good enough for the field that I'm in? Does it have enough balance of projection and ownership? And you go, compared on average in the field, or should I be going lower or should I be going higher, right? And that issue where where five guys project for so much higher than so many other people, there are some people that are like, I'm just going to have only one of them. It's like, I don't think that's a good idea, right? I don't think that's a very good idea. You're going to be sacrificing a, you're gonna be sacrificing a lot of projection in order to do that. Right, especially in NBA, a much more like linear, normal, distributive type of sport, and I and I go well, and they're like, well, I want I want to make sure that my lineups are different. It's like, well, did you run and see what those lineups look like projection wise compared to the ones that have all five of them? And they go, no. It's like, yeah, you gave up like twenty eight points in mean projection by doing that, and like in NBA, I that for that slate in particular or something, it's a five game, six game slate. Like it's probably probably too much, right? You should have looked into maybe maybe you end up with max three, maybe you end up with max two, maybe you end up with max four, maybe you end up with max with your five, and you just find three people that are really low owned, like that. You could do that, but how would you know unless you ran the slate, unless you ran the lineups and and see, right? Or you get used to that concept, and you could do it kind of like visually. You could visualize that without actually having to run the lineups and an optimizer like you have to do that i wouldn't be able to answer that until i saw that slate and that dynamic and what the pricing was some are these five high owned players like are they low price guys are they high price guys are they a mix is it a high price guy and a low price guy is it two people at center right on DraftKings, and it fills up your two center spots it blocks your utility position right like all of that matters all of that matters so it's not just some one blunt type of thing where where like oh yeah in NBA if you if you could drop like eight points in ownership eight points in projection for uh, every point in or or what they want what, what people asking that question want is like well every point in projection should get you ten percentage points in ownership and then they'll apply that rule to like every slate and I'm telling you there's no correct answer to that there is no correct answer right every slate is different every slate dynamic is different sometimes sacrificing a one point for 10 percentage points in ownership is awful. Sometimes you, sometimes it, you can't even do it. Sometimes you have to sacrifice more in order to get leverage. Like it, there's, there's no, there's no like number. You can't just do that and just say, I'm going to do it blindly across all slates. If that was the case, I wouldn't be on the show. Right. You know why? Because I'd have the magic settings and I wouldn't be telling you about it. Right. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You have to be able to implement this. You said judge. Judge it yourself. And if you do, do not have a precise methodology, such as some type of simulation, whether it be 
be uh, player simulation, correlation simulations, and contest simulations. And if you don't have any of that to like program yourself, well, now you're kind of using a little bit more blunt methodologies. Now you're not, you're not using the bluntest methodology. A lot of the bluntest methodologies. I have no projections. I have no ownership. And I think this guy is going to do well. And I'm just going to play. Or, you know, or Andy says, and Andy Means says, this guy's a good play. So I'm going to play that guy. Like, no rhyme and reason how you build your lineup. No no awareness of contest size or anything, ownership, and nothing. Like, that's the bluntest methodology. And most, most, those are the people we're taking money from, okay? So how do you determine that? That's why I set up this little little toy example. I got my, I got my Starbucks Frappuccino here. Give me that. Give me that thumbs up for the coffee. The coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm not drinking hot coffee, but I like these vanilla frappuccinos in the morning to wake me up. Well, uh, but let's say we have a ten man contest. Obviously, you could scale this up to a hundred thousand people, right? So, I mean, I'm not going to just write out a hundred thousand people, but we'll use this ten man contest as as like a toy example. So just relate it to whatever whatever size contest it could be. It could be this small. And let's say the payout structure was 50% to first, 30% to, se- uh, to second, 20% to third. So nice little flatty type of normal kind of poker payout structure, right? Top three pay, right? Okay. And then you're, you're down here with your nine opponents. Okay. So let's say this is what we're talking about when we were like, where does the money come from yesterday? as far as exploits and by balancing projection and ownership, your goal is to exploit the field. Okay. That is, you're not, this is not a balanced strategy. The whole point is that you want to get more, you want to get a more likelihood, a higher range of outcomes, a wider variance, right? Right. In general, then for the the amount of points that your opponents are getting for the ownership, okay, that's the point that, that you want to get the highest relative value lineup in comparison to your opponents. That's your goal. Now, in a ten man contest, you're only you know there's only nine lineups to deal with, and obviously in fifty thousand entries, there's fifty thousand. But I mean, I just want to show nine nine opponents just so we could I could show the exploits. Okay, so let's say in this GPP we have. Uh, I'm going to use the extreme examples. Remember, I like te- teaching through extremes because if it works for the extreme in both directions, you can at least see the concept and then you could find that that where where that line is, like how to how to balance the two extremes just so you understand where the money comes from, where the edge lies. Okay? So let's just say okay, let's just say it's a NFL slate, doesn't matter. Whatever it is. So let let's let we we're not going to say your lineup so let's say, like, if you ran your projections and the mean and mean optimal was 150, let's say it was 150, 150, right? 150 median points, 150% ownership. And we're using ownership sum, which is not as not as is is blunter than ownership product, but they're both blunt. Okay. So don't take this as gospel. Like if what what oh, this is 150%, this is 149%. They're close enough, okay? They, 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 you're already using a blunt method. So like you, you don't have to, well, this one's 0.2 and this one's 0.1. Like if you're getting into those weeds, that's not where the money comes from. Remember, those types of decisions where the margins are like this is not where the money comes from. Okay, so let's say 
let's say the the mean optimal in your projections or aggregate projections or whatever, 150, 150. Let's say you're playing against nine opponents and the first opponent was playing a lineup that was like, like this, right? Sacrificing like 30 points in projection, maybe not even for fit, like, like well, maybe go down even lower, like, like something like 135 ownership, 40, something like that, right? And this, this person is doing a 140, right? And maybe 140, and probably his lineup is a little bit, a little bit more owned. 75. This one's doing 130, 35. I'm using a more extreme example. 135, 45, and this one's one, one a really, really bad lineup for whatever reason is in there, right? A 110, right? And maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's another dude with the not, not that great of a lineup either, right? Like really, really low on lineup. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's one, maybe there's like, maybe that kind of a cash game lineup is in there, right? Kind of, okay, well, I don't want, I don't want, I want to do the extreme example. So let's, let's just keep on putting in like pretty, pretty, pretty not great lineups, right? In, in, in comparison, right? Maybe this one's 35% on just in general, 130, 40, right? 140, 80, like something like this. Remember that, that the top meet, the top one is, this was 150. Right. If you played your cash lineup, right? Like the cash lineup, that would be like 150, 150. Now take a look at this contest. Okay. You're playing against these lineups, right? These are these are objectively pretty just if we take out the contest dynamics, pretty, pretty not the great lineups. Right. Maybe, maybe number two's lineup ain't bad. Right. Who who would have the best lineups here from a projection standpoint? Two and nine. Right, you take these two opponents, two and nine. These two people probably have the highest, like, third place equity. Okay, remember top three pay, three third place twenty percent. Right, because their projection is the highest. Right, so their 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 range of outcomes is high is higher on the scale. Right, they're more likely to come in third or second. I mean, they may they may even more be more likely to come in first. Right. But mostly like their min cash equity, because relatively to the field, they have like the highest projection, right? And then you have like someone like number five over here. He's the most likely to come in last place, right? Projection way low, way low. His And his equity in first place may not even be that great. I mean, look, he's like 30 points lower than, than 140 and 140. Like he has to make all of those points up, all those 30 points up in relative value just to get to the median outcome of lineup two and lineup nine. Okay. So number five is like, is swimming upstream. Like this is probably in this contest, negative EV. Now understand that if number two took his 140, 75 lineup and went somewhere else to another 10 man contest where people are playing like better lineups than that, then they're not, you don't see these kind of shitty lineups here. That guy wouldn't be like that. That guy may be the loser in that contest. But in this, in this contest, this 10 man, this 140, 80, 140, 75 for min cash equity is probably the highest. Okay. And then you got like the number five and number six, probably, you know, have to make up way too much kind of relative value there. The 125 lineup isn't in the greatest of shapes either. Has to make up like 15 points just to get to their median value. And you have to make that up in leverage or relative value. 
But then you also have these these ones that are like 135-40, 135-45, right? These are the two lineups that probably they're sacrificing a little bit of this like third place equity, second place equity, but they're probably because of their lineup ownership being almost half of the 140s. Like they have to make up five points in projection on average, right? I'm simplifying the concept instead of going through mathematical formulas that aren't going to be accurate anyway, because these numbers are like, these are blunt numbers to begin with. So they need to make up five points in relative value. And they, they're sharing like half the players that the 142, 140 lineups are. So these, these 135s, right? Are probably in prime spots. Now here, here's a, here's a 130 lineup, right? This 125 lineup is another five points in projection Right, but I mean, like ownership. Like we take a look at one thirty forty. Like, why wouldn't you want one thirty five forty lineup? Like number eight's lineup, basically, uh, sacrificed five points of projection and didn't get any ownership discount. Right, so lineup one's one's lineup is better than lineup A, lineup eight. Right, but you take a look at these these lineup one and lineup four. These are the these are the GPP. These are the ones that probably have an have a more slightly more outsized chance at first, but they're sacrificing third place equity, right? And then you have like some of these like one twenty five thirty five. It's like, dude, you it's only five. Like, look at lineup one one thirty five forty. Like, you sacrificed ten points of projection, and you only got like five percent lower ownership. Like that that probably was that probably wasn't good, right? That probably wasn't good. I'm not even sure if it's possible. I'm just because we're making up the numbers here. So where does the money come from? Okay, you're sitting here now going, what do I do? You already know this information. Let's just say, right? You don't, but I mean, let's say you did. What type of line? Let's say you built your cash. Let's say you threw your cash lineup in. This lineup, this 150, 150 lineup. What is the exploit in playing this lineup? Playing this lineup means that look at look at the projection of all these all your opponents. You have a 10-point projection advantage over like over the the top two and you have a you have like some of these lineups are 30 points lower 40 points lower if you were to get into this contest i think your cash lineup would would be profitable okay you're gonna go well how is this you're playing you're playing them dude you're playing your cash lineup in a gpp although it's a 10-man gpp but you're playing it's like well compared to your opponents like your 150 lineup, like the equity in third place is like dramatically more than like like everyone. You're getting way fair. You're getting way more than your fair share of third. You're probably getting a good amount of second. And you're probably still getting more than your fair share of first, even though, you know, your lineup shares a lot of players with some of these people. Only because the projection is just, what, 10 points higher than these two 140 lineups, right? But let's say instead of that, you were to play a lineup that's like 145, 120, right? Like something like that. Or maybe, 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 maybe go down to, you know, 100 or something like that. Okay. Now you have a five point projection edge here. You pro- you still have the highest third. You're now, your third place equity is kind of going down, but you still have a higher than the rest of them. You have a good, a good fair share of, second place equity and you probably have 
you probably have decent, you probably have slightly better first place equity. So you're kind of shifting, giving up some, a little bit more min cash equity to gain a little bit more first place equity. But you see here that as you go down, if you were to build a lineup similar to two and nine or two and four or something like that, right? Like if you built a lineup like, like, like this or something, let's say what, 75, let's say 60, right? All right, 140, 80 is here, 140, 75, and you have a slightly lower own lineup at the same projection. You do have the best, you, you now have the best lineup in, in the GPP, but you don't, it's not that much better than this number nine. It's not that much better than number one. It's not that much better than number four. You're probably fighting for first place equity fairly on the same level as lineup one, four, and nine, I guess. Now you have, out of those, out of one and four, you probably have a little bit more third place equity than lineup four, right? A little bit, maybe slightly more second place, but a little bit less maybe first, right? And you're basically, and all all of you are making money off of like this lineup and that lineup and uh, what other lineups? And like, like, like some of these other guys. But as you see, you're coming into this contest against a lot of bad players, right? That are building either lineups that are that are way too contrarian for the contest. And you're coming in and going, well, I still need to be contrarian. It's a GPP, right? When in fact your 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 highest ROI lineup may be may I mean it it literally may be if you just played the cash lineup in here, that would give you the most amount of equity in general. Right? Even though it's like, oh it's not leveraged. Like it is leveraged because so many people are not playing the best plays. I mean, like just simply because not enough people are playing the best plays. So I'm just going to play all the best plays because I'm not facing any lineups that are even do. I'm not even duplicated, right? And my and the combos that all these players have because of their projection and ownership difference. Your 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 lineup like you have eight players and then they may have two. This guy may have three or four, but like. Everyone else is at least a 4v4 off of you. So you're like, if, there, if I have nine opponents that are willing to do that and sacrifice 15 points plus projection, like, I'm just going to play my cash lineup in this contest. Like, just, just why not? Like, why not? Why am I making, a, why am I playing a stack in NFL? or just, Like, dude, I'm just going to throw my cash lineup. Like, it's, it's going to give me the most amount of equity in this contest based on my opponents that are here, right? Now, this is an extreme example. You're not going to find 10-man contests that look like this pretty much, right? I don't think so. But to just show you the mentality you should be you should be thinking about. Because when people are like, what's, well, what are the right numbers? Well, there aren't. Look at, look at this. If you would have told me you were playing a 10-man GPP, top three pay, and you're like, well, how much projection should I sacrifice and how much for ownership? Like, like dude, for this example, I would say play your cash line. Don't sacrifice nothing. Right? So how could you come to me and say what well what the number is? Well, until you know until you have any sense of this type of thing, you don't have to get this detailed. But the concept of how bad are the bad lineups and what and how good are the good lineups? How to identify who the, what those good lineups are, right? And then build lineups that are similar to them because you're probably not going to be able to build lineups that are that much better. Or even that much worse, if at least you're in that range. Okay, so now let's go to another example. I'm going to take out. I'm going to take out all of these. 
right? So this is the this is the this is the ten man contest where uh, where most of your opponents are are pretty pretty bad, are just like pretty bad. Okay, actually, let me let me let me put this back, and I'll, I'll to put a highlight on this. So let's say we have these same the same people people in here, right? The same bad lineup. So in these one forties, let's let's put these at like. People, you know, like people playing their cash lineup type of type of type of players, right? 148, 140 something. So we'll change this. 140, 147, 130, right? We still have some bad lineups. Maybe we take out the worst lineup where we don't have this 110 in here, right? We replace him with a one a 149, one. 45 type of line, right? So like these cash lineups, one, five, and nine are like cash-ish type lineups. So now let's say you played your cash lineup, which, because you're the best, right? You think it's the best, right? So it's slightly better, right? On average than like lineup five, lineup two, lineup nine, okay? So if you play your cash lineup, who are you competing for min cash equity with? These three lineups. You're not competing as much with the equity in lineup three for third place. I'm talking about for cashing for fourth place, right? You're not for seventh place for sixth place. Like that's where all the equity for third place is coming from. This lineup number six that projects 30 points lower than yours. It's basically handing over, handing over equity and say, Hey, you high projected people take my min, take my third place equity, take some of my second place equity. Take, hey, at, at 120, that low. He'd probably t- we're taking some of his first place equity, right? But you're not getting all of it. In the previous example where you were playing, you're like your median optimal and no one was playing anything close to that projection. Like you're just, you're getting, you're the only one there, right? You're like, oh, if anyone wants to sacrifice their third and second place equity, like I'm here, just give it all to me, right? Now you have people competing against that, Right. So now you have this 147-130 lineup, this 149-145 lineup. So now, if you were to play your cash lineup, you would have to think, is there enough equity that's being given up in these other lineups that it's worth sharing? Like, you're, you're getting a big piece of the third and second place equity, but you're sharing it with three other people. Are the players, the other players bad enough? that third and second place equity is worth it. At what point is that true? Because at this point, maybe you say second and third place is worth it and you don't care that much about first place. You you still already have probably more than your fair share of first place equity just with your projection in this contest with this many bad players. That you may be fine. Just like, screw it, I'm still playing my cash line. But let's say now we st- now we move some more more people that are that are playing cash lineups, which is cash type lineups. Right, 149, another 149, 145. Right, we still have, uh, let's see, a, one, a 146, maybe 146, 120, like something like we, I, I got to put even more in here. So let's see, 149, 147, 130, another lineup like this. So like something like this. These are all like kind of cashy type. This, this this number four may be like a slight, like a 3v3 or something off of it or something, sacrificing four or something, right? So now take a look at this. Where are the, where are the worst lineups in this contest? Third, 
sixth, and seventh from a projection standpoint. So if you were to play your cash lineup or some lineup that's similar to these other lineups, may not be the same players. Now, where does the third place, where does the min cash equity come from? It's going to be coming from lineup six, lineup seven, lineup three. And it's going to be fought over by one, two, four, five, eight, nine, and you. Well, is that's not enough equity. Like, like that pie isn't big enough, right? For second and for second, maybe for third and maybe a little bit of second. Like, that's just not enough. So even though you got three bad players in, it's like at once, especially once you put the rake on top of it. Like, you're not getting enough second, second and third place equity. We'll talk about first place equity in a minute. Don't worry about it. Okay. So now what, now you look at this and you go, I don't think it's profitable to play my cash lineup in this, in this contest, but now what is the exploit? Okay. Before when we have all these really low projected lineups, the exploit was actually to play your cat, play, essentially play your cash lineup in this 10 man GPP, right? Because you still had tons. You still had more first place equity, even against those lineups, most likely. So now you're playing against where the the bar, it's more of a barbell, right? You got players playing their cash lineups, and then you got a couple of people playing like lower, really low projected lineups. So what do you do? Well, first off, you have to understand that lineups one, two, like all these cash life lineups still have first place equity, especially against lineups three, six, and seven, just because of projection. But also understand that lineups three, six, and seven have gained a lot more relative value, right? Because now they're playing players that like no, like, like no one's playing. At least in the other example, when we had a lot of those types of lineups, you know, they share, you know, it's a lot of people around the same zone. So they're not doing, they're not doing so hot, you know, for like they're not getting as much leverage because like everyone, it's like going to a contest and everyone's fading the high owned players. Right. And then you open up ownership and the guy that's supposed to be the chalkiest player is unowned because everyone faded. Right. That's the situation like it was previously. And that's why you're coming in and going, wow, I could get the best projected player point per dollar on the slate for 10% ownership. Right. Because none of your nine opponents have played. Give it to me. I mean, that's what you were saying. That's essentially what you were saying in the previous example. Well, now you're up against all of this. These lineups have now more leverage is available to them because they are playing players that are 10% owned, right? Because unless they're sharing it with three, six, and seven amongst themselves, they're most likely not in any of the other lineups, okay? Which means they need to make up like, what, 20 points, 20, 25 points of projection, which... It's a stretch, but I mean, they have to make that up, right? If if three, four of the chalk guys snowflake and one, two of their guys, you know, put up ceilings, they make up, they make up all that relative value right there. And there's only few, so few people that have those, that have those players, right? So their first place equity goes up. Their second and third, their third place equity is minimal. Their second place equity is like a little bit more. And their first place equity actually goes up. Does it go up past the point of being profitable though? At this, these numbers probably not. But basically, they're they're basically seeding. They're saying, here's here's all this min cash equity. Take it all, and give me first place equity. But when they're getting their first place equity, they're not getting the they're not getting the same return in in return. Right? It's like this is how much min cash I'm giving you, and they're getting back like this much like first place equity in proportion, and it's not enough. 
right? Their lineup should still be, they, they should still have a higher projected lineup. They don't have to be this contrarian. So now you're sitting there for this contest going, now how should I play? Okay. Well, I can't play my cash lineup because there's just not enough equity there in those zones with all these other people competing for it. Uh, I don't want to have that low of a projection because like, I, I don't want to be, you know, competing with first place equity with like these, these very contrarian lineups. So your goal is to find some balance in between. Maybe it ends up that you're, you're playing a lineup. That's more like, like you take a, take a look at here and you may, maybe you're playing a lineup. That's like 142 at 80 or something like something like that. Right. Just in concept. I just like, like I said, I'm just ballparking. Like, there's no fancy formula I could show you. I, I want to show you the concept. And then you can just apply this concept to any slate. And you're like, what's the exact number? I don't know the exact number. I don't. I, I play conceptually, right? Use ownership product more than the ownership. So, oh, should you do that? That's a little bit more precise. But unless, you, unless, you're, unless you're coding stuff in Python and whatever, and, you, and you're managing data sets and you're running simulations, like all of this is going to be blunt. So there's no number I could give you, but just understand the concepts of what you should be looking at. Not looking to get a number in return of what num what numbers do I plug in the magic settings mode, but just the concept of okay, what contest am I playing? What types of players on average are in this contest? What lineups am I likely going to see? Right, and typically for the same contest every day, they you could download the CSVs and get a sense of like. How many, how many, how many people be built two high projected lineups? How many people build two low owned lineups? How many bad players versus good players? How many 150 maxers versus sing people that just put in one entry? Like, and you could judge it based on that. And you say, oh, oh, this is this is a soft contest. Like there are soft contests. The large field contests, for instance, typically are soft because there are a lot of people that build bad projected lineups. There are also plenty of people that build two cashy lineups, but the predominant amount and like the millimaker that people are building that there's a good swath bottom 10% that are just too low projected, just way too low projected. And then you have the opposite thing in like the 121 single entry in MLB. We have not many people are building low projected lineups, but way too many people are throwing in like, like, the chalk stack and the two chalk pictures, like, and the chalk one-off. Like those, like combinatorially, like really similar lineups that are high projected, but it's baseball, which is event-driven. So like to make up 14 points, you can make up 14 points on DK on one swing of the bat. So think from a relative value standpoint that you can play a lineup that is 14 points lower pro projected, and that's just one swing of a bat. So the amount of projection that you could give up in MLB is higher than that you could give up in NBA. Because to make to make up 14 points in NBA, there's no 14-point play. There's no like a steal and then, an, a, and then a rebound and then he throws like, you have to, there's a lot more iterative. So to make up 14 points is a, is a lot more. Now in 14 points in your total lineup for large, that, that that's fine. But just in general, like in MLB, because it's so correlative, right? And stacks and it's so event driven. So it's more bimodal. Like, dude, I play some lineups that are 30, 35 points below the median optimal because like, dude, if my team goes off, 
bing bong bing like dude i make 35 points up in in one inning when i could make that up in one inning if i get low enough ownership on those people right on that team or something so like an mlb like that number like dude you dude you could stack and leave four thousand on the table especially on FanDuel when they have soft pricing like, oh, the only way for me to play a 4-4 Tigers plus Pirates lineup is to leave like 7,000 on the table. And someone will say, should I leave 7,000 on the table? I said, well, what happens if the Tigers and the Pirates are the two teams that put up 10 plus runs? They go, well, the only way to make those lineups is to leave 7,000 on the table. I mean, like, you can do that. But the projection is so low. Like, is it that? Is it a, not, not, yeah, if the projection is 70 points low, yeah, okay. Yeah, then, then, then that, that may be a little too far. But, dude, you, you can go pretty far in, in MLB compared to NBA. And just like you can go a little bit further in uh, NFL than compared to NBA because, because of touchdowns. You know, touchdowns, it's a more, more event-driven. And obviously, if you're stacking, it's a little bit more correlative. NBA, a lot of times you're not – a lot of times you can find lower ownership and not give up as much projection as you think for your whole lineup. On a lot of slates, you could sit there with, like, six to eight points lower in projection and get like half the ownership of anyone. And then, okay, that's fine. And then you know how many lines you could build like that? You can build 800,000 of those types of lines. I mean, like when, when, when there's no like clear, like where most of the pricing is efficient, right? So you could do that. So in this contest, when you're like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more projection than these cash lineups, but not as much as these bad players, these bad lineups, these PPP piss poor projected lineups. And then just make sure that commensurate to the ownership, right? You don't want to play a 142 lineup that is like 120. I mean, you don't want to do that, right? You want to make sure that if you're sacrificing projection, you're also getting lower ownership. As long as you, like, that is the crux of what we're talking about. That if you simply drill in your head that you're going to go through lineups, you're going to go through whatever, 300 lineups, 100 lineups, whatever. You're going to just start building lineups or whatever, lineup HQ, and go, well, if I'm playing a lower projected lineup, it should also be lower on. So, if, like, if you're considering two lineups, right? One is, one. Is, let's say you consider, here, lineup one and lineup two right here, right? Projection 149, ownership 145, two, 147. Now, let's say this 147 lineup was 150% of like, why would you, if you had to choose between the two, why would you play lineup two? It's two points lower projected and it's higher owned. Like lineup one would obviously be better. But would lineup two be bad though? Objectively, no. Lineup two could still be a plus EV lineup. But if we're just in the vacuum of just lineup one and lineup two, like if you're going to sacrifice two points in projection, you should have lower ownership. How much lower ownership, Jordan? That's the question. Don't worry as much about that until you drill in your contest that in your head that it just has to be lower, right? So if you t- if, if this lineup was one thirty five and you go well, it's two points worth this ten percent. Well, that, it, now that now we're getting into the smaller stuff, right? But in general, like oh, li- lineup one, lineup two, it's like oh, I could play either lineup. I'm sacrificing two. I'm getting lower ownership. Now let's say, let's say it was something like this. Right, and let's say this this lineup here, one forty this one forty sixth lineup, <coughs> just happened to be like, I'll just make it easy ninety. I got <coughs> lineup three, right? 
Lineup one, 149, 145. Lineup two, 147, 144. Here's one extra point in projection, but look how big of the gap between the ownership is. If you had to choose between two and four, I'd probably go with four. I'm like, it seems like I'm getting a lot bigger gap. Because look here, the difference between one and two, I almost would rather play one, right? What, I'm sacrificing two points of projection and pretty much like, what? What am I getting? Like one percentage point in ownership? At least I'm getting lower, right? At least it's lower. Start from the point that number two is fine because at least it's lower than number one. If you're sacrificing projection, you are getting lower ownership. But in proportion, you'd much rather have like one or four rather than two. Do you, do you see why? Right? Because the proportional difference between them is, is so much like, dude, why would I want to play a lineup at 144 ownership when I can play one with just one point lower projection that's 90, 90%? So comparing the two, you'd rather play four. So now if you go in lineup HQ and you're like, you just build lineups based on projection and ownership, maybe you could find where these gaps are. What players make up those gaps? Right, you run it through and you start eliminating lineups. You could use the portfolio trimmer that I include in the theory of DFS, the Excel tools, and you could do that very quickly. I mean, you could do that, you could cut and paste, and eh, within like three seconds, it could eliminate all of those lineups. And you go, Oh, what players are left in these lineups? And you have like 80% of like some, some like six percent owned dude, and you're like, Well, based on his ownership, that guy's under owned. That's the re- that's what's contributing. That's why his projection is contributing so much to the lineup. So you're like, oh, I meant maybe, maybe I'm gonna play either I'm gonna play a lot of that guy, even if you're playing three lineups, or you're playing one lineup, be like, I guess I know the guy that I'm going to be playing in my one single entry GBP lineup, the guy that comes up the most when I eliminate all those gaps in projection versus ownership. Understand the caveats of doing that, though, that it's all based around the ownership being accurate. Right, it's all based on the projection being accurate. Someone, someone's projected for 36 minutes when they're all really they should be projected for 24 minutes. Obviously, that's the reason why they're only two percent owners because everyone else thinks he's only going to play 24 minutes, and you have for some reason your projections have 36 minutes and project for a million points. So yeah, he's going to look very low owned. He's going to look why is he he's really under owned? And the opposite is true also. Right, a guy, guy is uh, you know too high. You know, like, oh, we projected for thirty-eight uh, percent owned, and he comes in at twelve. Well, a twelve percent owned, you would have gotten him in like all your lineups, right? But you thought he would be much higher owned. So, like, it's at the mercy of making sure that those numbers are as close, closer to accurate. You never, it's never going to be perfect. Trust me, it's never even going to be close to perfect, especially in ownership, especially in NBA where things change all the time. But in general, that's what you should be building your lineups for. And it's all based around the contest that you are playing. So if you come to me and say, is this lineup, I played a lineup at this number at that number. Like even that has no contest. That's, I can't, I can't even, I don't know. I have no idea. And then these gaps, you know, the gaps where like you lose one point of projection, but lose a lot of ownership. That's a slate to slate thing based on the, I mean, I don't know. I would have to play the slate to know where the gaps were, right? To go, okay, this guy was under owned. That guy was over owned. You built the lineup with X, Y, and Z together. And you're playing a contest with, you know, whatever. And then obviously they're generalities. Like smaller field contests are typically, you're playing lineups that are, you're focusing a little bit more on projection than ownership, right? Although there's more available leverage for you. And in large field, 
a lot of times, you know, you're not you're not throwing in your cash lineup. But you're also probably not throwing in, you know, some garbage lineup with all 1% players. You're trying to find where that balance is. So the best thing to do, what I would do, if if you're if you're struggling with with this concept, study the contest. There's there's no better thing than you can do than study contest. End of story. Study contest. Studying winning winning players, and study contest. Download your CSVs. You played what NBA last night or whatever, and you played the whatever whatever contest it is. Right, the twelve dollar single entry, the three dollar twenty match, the one dollar whatever the hell. Right, they're all going to be different to some extent. Download the CSV. Download the CSV every day, and check and just run those run. Take all those lineups, throw them into our, our theory of DFS tools. Throw them right in. We have a contest analyzer. And it'll show it with with your pro- you have to save the projections. Make sure you save the projections also. And you just throw them in. Throw the pro- throw the projected ownership. Probably not actual ownership, but the projected ownership at least. And then just throw it in and just take a look at the lineups and go where are the where are the two high projected lineups and where are the two low owned lineups and see what the ratio is. And go what are people doing more? What where are the bad players? Where does the money come from? Right. This 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 wonderful this wonderful graph. The two things you're primarily looking for are the poor projected lineups like this line, and the two cat like the two high owned lineups that look like you know the big min cash line. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's the how many, what percentage of lineups are like that, and what percentage of lineups like that, and then what percentage of lineups look closer to yours, or you study winning players and go, what do theirs look like, and then whatever that proportion is, maybe maybe in your contest there are actually way more cash lineups, right? Because it's probably a single entry contest, even though it's a five thousand person single entry contest. You see, like oh, a lot of people, the high owned players are even higher owned, like by far. Or maybe you may see the opposite. You may go, it's like, oh wow. I'm playing the, I'm playing this five dollar seven hundred and sixty-eight man single entry. And there's a lot of lineups that just predict poorly. Like actually, not as many of just pure like cash lineups. And you go, well, then we get back to this exploit. If you're if you're in a contest where the more the ratio of people playing really bad lineups, poor piss poor projected lineups. Versus 
min cash equity style high projected lineups, then be more inclined to focus on projection, right? You're exploiting the low projection by being able to play higher projected lineups because you're getting the same amount of leverage anyway, because they're because they're making up the difference, right? Now, if you go into your contest, like the 121 single entry in MLB, and you find that like people just play the chalk way too heavily, the chalk is way higher on than it should be. You look in there. How do I how do I exploit that? Right? There's not as many piss poor projected lineups in that contest, but there's a lot, lot of lot of chalk stack, two chalk pitchers, chalk one off type of lineups. You know what you do? Now you're playing a lower now 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 you're finding now you're going okay. I can't go all the way down in projection, but now I'm gonna like like dude if I I can just fade the chalk stack and then just play whatever the best projected stack plus whatever lineup and probably be fine. Right, because it's that that condensed that, or no, don't play one of the two chalk pitchers, or let or play the stack against one of the two chalk. If there's an SP two chalk or something that's really not that good at seventy eight hundred, you go maybe I can get additional leverage by like I'll play parts. I'll play the chalk stack, but I'll play the eighth hitter that that is only six percent owned that instead of the thirty seven percent owned. Like you can do that, right? But what you're doing is. is you're still playing a high projected lineup, but the amount of ownership that drops off after some of the chalkiest plays, just it's the gaps are just this big. So you start taking gap after gap after gap. And now once you've taken out like three gaps, you're good. Like you're good. Like dude, play wherever you want at that point. Just press the optimal button at that point. Obviously MLB, you probably want to correlate a little bit, but essentially that's what you're doing. Just like, where do I find leverage? Okay, take that, take that. And you'll take a look at your projection compared to those lineups and go, yeah, I project for like four points lower, but it's like a quarter of the ownership for no reason. Like, why am I getting that much of an ownership discount? It's because so many more people are playing those, those, those cash ish type of lineups. So that's the exploit. So that's the exploit there. And in the really, that's why in the Millie maker, the best plays sometimes are not as high owned as they should be. Right. Cause you have so many piss poor projected lineups. And then you have like, the power sweep or something, right? 153 max, where the running back that should be 22% owned is like 40% owned. Well, in the Millie maker, the running back that should be 22% owned is only 14% owned. So you just, you find that in the, in, in a contest like the Millie maker, although you still need to find leverage, you're getting this free leverage. You're getting like, you no. Know, all these piss poor projected lineups, like people are just failing to play this guy as frequently as, as, as he should. So you should, if you want to be exploitative, you should be playing them more, but then the opposite would be true in the, in the single entry, like the power sweep type of contest. That would be a contest of like, like, yeah, they're the best play, but not to the extent that they should be double the ownership. So, so I'm just going to X them out because there's a guy that projects one and a half points lower that I'm just going to, then I'll play instead. And that guy in the single entry contest may only be 8% though. So it's like, okay, there's my leverage, right? That's exploit. This is this is what exploitative play is. But it's based around your opponents. You get not just in a vacuum going in. Because remember the conversation from yesterday. Remember the conversation from Friday. If we, if we got in, let's say, let's say I eliminate lineups six, seven, right? Like something like this. If I eliminate some of these lineups and let's let's just start plugging in numbers. I, I, don't, I don't even know what I'm doing. Right? 148 at the 100. 
146 at, at 90, right? 148 at 110 and 149 at 120. Like, if this was your contest, right? This 10-man contest. So now you got guys that are like, they're cash lineups, but they're 1v1s, you know, like this type of thing. Like, none of them are the same, but they all share. Like, everyone kind of shares at least two, three, maybe four players. Some people four with each other and some whatever. And you take a look at this contest. You go, well, how do you exploit this? It's like, oh, I'm going to play my cash lineup. 150, 150. Okay, you have a little bit more. I mean, these lineups aren't bad, badly projected. They'd only project one, two, three points. Is that enough to siphon off third place? Like, yes. You are the most likely, you have the most equity in third place. Probably a little bit more in second place. Not not first place, you're probably still fine also. Right? So you take a look at this and you go, okay. From projection-wise, I have the best lineup. But it's not significantly better than, than anyone. I mean, there's like there's no like poor projected lineups here. And then you go, okay, well, what happens if I play the 142 at, at, at 60 type of lineup? Well, now your lineup, you you need to make up like six, seven points in relative value. And maybe you can. So like this lineup would have a lot more first place equity, but you're just basically giving up a lot of your second because it's in proportion to your opponents. This 142-60 lineup, when we put in all the bad players with the lineups with 110 and 120, this would have been a monster in that, in that contest, right? This would have been a monster first place equity lineup, right? You're sacrificing a little bit more of the min, min cash equity, but... That would have been a monster, but in this contest, yeah, you'll win first place a little bit more than some of these people, but once you account for the rake, let's say, well, let's say we put 15% rake on this or 12%, we put 11% rake on this. I'm not sure, right? Let's, let's put them here. Question mark? Question mark. I'm not sure if there's any lineup that you could play that would be profitable. I don't think any, I, it's quite possible at 15% rake that if this was the contest, that anyone can make money long-term, right? The winningest player in this in, the, in this contest would be like minus, overall like minus 5%, maybe, right? That would be the winningest player because of the rake, right? If there was no rake and you played your 150-150 or your 142-60 or something like that, you'd probably be slightly profitable. You'd probably show a profit, two, three percent ROI, four percent ROI, five, maybe five percent, maybe probably not that high, right? You, the margins between the lineups aren't 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 the greatest. Then once you slap that rake on, it's like how how does any how does anyone how does anyone make money? They don't. They don't make money. There's 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 no bad line. There's there's either too few people that are playing piss poor projected lineup, or there are too many people playing high like high high cash lineup that they're sharing with each other that they're duplicating each other so you know what you should do you shouldn't play this contest long run this this contest would not be profitable you'd find find where the money comes from so let's like what numbers do i play like don't just think in relation you it's always has to be in relation a baseline if you wanted to use a blunt baseline we've used like meaning optimal mean optimal or the top stacked line in MLB using the mean optimal as a baseline may not be that great because you're probably not playing eight one-offs, right? People are most likely playing at least a three-man stack, if not a four-man stack, 
So maybe your baseline is like the f- four or five man stack or something like that. Like you'd set li- a lineup HQ to a five man stack and, and whatever the rest is one offs. And that lineup is like that. That's your, that's your top end baseline. And then you go through and you find the gaps and you go, okay, what guys are over owned and what guys are under owned? You run the lineups and you kind of eliminate the lineups in between where it, you know, the lineup is too high projected for its ownership, too low, high owned for its projection. And then you see, oh, I'm left with a lot more of this guy and that guy and this guy. Oh, I'm left with not as much of the these own these higher owned players, this guy, that guy, and that guy. Now, understand that that's you have to have accurate ownership for that. So if you think some guy that we that we have is eight percent owned is more likely to be fifteen percent owned, change it. Just change it. Right? That's what you think. Remember, if you want to change the numbers, if you would remember that you need to have a way to change player names into numbers. We provide that for you here at Roto Grinders. We're probably going to be more accurate over the long run than you are to try to do this yourself. Okay. That's the reason you get a Roto Grinders subscription. Okay. Does that mean on a specific day on one player out of 398 in the player pool? That they're all going to be perfect. No, of course not. So if we have we have uh, the, the Paolo Banchero at thirty four percent owned, and he ends up at thirty eight percent owned, or he ends up at twenty six percent owned, or like that that's going to happen. Human beings are not rational, or whatever. Maybe a lot of other people have him at thirty four minutes and not thirty six minutes, which means he's be less likely to be used. Right, obviously, stuff happens during the day in NBA that these numbers change. These these numbers that we're looking at right now in NBA will change seven hundred times by the time you get get the lock. So you can't even go by any of these numbers now, right? But maybe the difference between Paolo Benchera thirty four percent. If you think I don't think people are going to play this guy as much, he's going to be twenty percent owned. Well, then he's probably going to show up in so many of your lineups because now it's going to come up that. That the projection gap that you're getting is so small for such a big ownership gap, and you're going to be like, "I got to, I got to play this guy," or maybe you think that, "Oh no, Benchero, I've heard so many people talk about this guy, right? I've watched the uh, Roto Grinders live. I watched like, yeah, people are playing uh, Benchero in the small forward spot or something. Like, yeah, yeah, mathematically, maybe sh- rational people, it would be like 34 percent ownership, but I think it's going to be more like like 42." 45 even. And if you think that, just change the number. The same way that if you're like, I think Emmanuel quickly is only going to play 34 minutes. Well, then change the number in 34 minutes. And then and the projection will go down. So just change it, right? But you're not looking at the player. You just made it, okay, I don't agree with that. Don't change it. But don't start building lineups until you change all of those things. Because when you're building lineups, right, you're all you're doing is arranging numbers. That's what you should be thinking. Your mindset is lineup building is just number mo- moving arounders. You're not playing Emmanuel quickly. You're playing a a, a point guard shooting guard at 6200 at uh, 36.57 median fantasy points at 35.08 ownership. That that that, that, that all, that's all you're looking at these these numbers. Like it has nothing to do with that player. So once once you convert them into numbers, players into numbers, you don't care about the players anymore. But if you don't agree with the number, then change it. You think he's not? I don't think he quickly is going to play at all. I'm going to divvy out this 36 minutes to other to other people on the Knicks. That may not be true, but if that's what you think, then do it. 
<laughs> right? If you don't agree, if you don't agree, then do it. And then build your lineups. And then you'll probably find that, you know, uh, Paolo Banchero is going to be like 700% owned. Like you're not going to get any of them, right? You'll be like, wow, this guy is way over owned for his projection. And you may be wrong. And he ends up coming in at even lower than what you thought. And you'd be like, oh, I should have played that guy. At least a couple of lineups, right? That Welcome to the game of DFS. That's what it is. But you can't develop a baseline or baselines for contests until you study contests. Where does the money come from? Right? So to recap, contests where there is a much larger than average proportion of piss poor projected lineups, you gain more equity by not necessarily playing the most contrarian. Right. You kind of want to focus. You don't want you still don't want to play like cash lineups, but you'd be like, oh wow, there's a lot of really, really poor projected lineups in this contest. So my lineup that like sacrifices 23 points in projection for like this amount of ownership that I still think is fine. Like I think I could I I don't think I could be I don't have to be this contrarian, right? I could be I instead of this two percent on guy, I could just put put in the 22% on guy there. My projection goes up four points. My ownership goes up 20 percentage points, but I I still think I'm I I just I all I've done is I I think I have the same amount of first place equity and I just gained mid cash equity, right? Because there's so many poor projected lineups. Oh, why why wouldn't I do that? Okay, then that's what I'm gonna do. And then in the contests where too many people are playing, you know, min cash style lineups, cash lineups, very high, too high owned lineups. Those are the contests where it's like, I don't mind sacrificing as much projection, right? If everyone's playing like, if if, if everyone's uh, playing these like 149, 140, like I, dude, dude, if it's worth it, you know, like I can, I can play, I can play like a 140, you know, the ownership is going to be so much lower because it like, it ends up being that because you're not sharing many as many players with these people like your ownership is going to be like like this right in this type of contest and it's like dude this is a higher variant style it's like i think I've, i'm the most profitable person in this contest possibly i'm sacrificing practically all of my third and second place equity but i think i come in first place more than 10 percent of the time maybe 15 percent of the time maybe 18 maybe 20 20 percent of the time and hopefully that makes up for the rate right but this type of lineup, you wouldn't do in the, the where all the bad, poor projected lineups. You'd be like, no, no, I'm more likely to play closer to a cash lineup. You see how that works out? The more poorly projected lineups there are in a contest, the more your lineup should maybe be a little bit more chalkier. Be look a little bit look a little bit more like a cash lineup, not totally like that, but a little bit closer to that. And then in the in the contests where there's too many of these mid-cash lineups, your lineups may even look a little bit closer to the piss-poor projected lineups. Maybe not that piss-projected poor, but smartly, and you get a much bigger ownership drop because so few players are playing those players, even though they project halfway decently. You're exploiting the field. So if you're going in thinking first level of like, what's what's a good lineup? Like that's all in relation to your opponents. It's all it's it's all a matter of relative versus you. It's it's all a game of relative value. So until you until you know what you're in relation to, there's not what I can't answer any question. In relation to what? 
In relation to what? So study contests. And you'll see that you'll download this, con- if you play one contest every day, right? And you've been playing it for two years and you've never downloaded the CSVs, right? This is for DraftKings, obviously. FanDuel, you can't. You probably noticed, so like, what? Downloaded a couple, it's not, this is not something you have to do every day for seven million, for the next seven years. Download them every day. Look at them the next morning, whatever. They download them the next morning, whatever you want to do. Then run it through, you know, and, and period DFS for advanced players, I, the, the custom Excel tools. You can, you can do this and look through. And go, what is, what, is, what is the, and you can do other things. I mean, if you know Excel, you can just add, well, how about the average? You're pulling stuff up. You're adding your, you can, you can butts around with it all you want. And you go, what what types of players here? Who are the 150 maxers? Maybe you have a, an item that's like how percentage of 150 max if you're playing large field. If you're playing like the 20 max, so who are the 20 maxers? If you're playing three max, who are the three maxers versus the single edge? Maybe you do something like that. And you see what are the ratios? What are the ranges? What's the difference between the top projected lineup and the lowest projected lineup? What's that delta? Right? What's the highest owned lineup to the lowest owned lineup? What's that delta? Right, and you look through, and you go, "Oh, okay, for this type of guy." Okay. And maybe you find out that on Sundays, it gets like much sharper, right? But on Wednesday, main sl- like NBA slates, like it's the it's it's the fishiest, right? And you start figure it may not be by that big of a degree, but Sunday during NFL season, maybe sometimes it is that the sharper players aren't paying attention to NBA; they're not even playing the slate. And then you're left with, and then maybe a lot of casual people are playing, or maybe it's the vice versa. Maybe since so many of the casual people are paying attention to NFL, the only people playing NBA at a six o'clock slate are the sharp players, right? You, How would you not know that until you looked at the contests? It's all a game of relative value. So let me answer some of the questions in the YouTube chat before we get out of here. Uh, Ryan Stop, best suggestion to get above mid-cash results in large field GPP. Well, watch this show. Watch this show. Get the get the theory of DFS. I mean, this is all within within that these concepts. If you don't understand these concepts, that's what you should be understanding. We went through an hour over an hour, and we didn't mention like who do you play, do you play this guy or that guy. Spend your time understanding these concepts, and then. The guys you play is going to be kind of irrelevant. Just play good, just play plus EV lineups. You're going to get to a point where the questions you used to ask of like, do I play this guy, that guy? Or do I stack here or there? Or do I play four man or five man? Or do I do that type of stuff? You'll go, wow, those are stupid questions. It's like, you could play any of those. You could do any of them. There's, you have a choice of 50,000 of them and feel free to play whatever 20 you want. As long as, as long as it fits you know, where the money, you know, what equi- what what lineups have what variance and what equity spots, then it, all it is is numbers on a spreadsheet. All it is is numbers, just, just moving around numbers. And then from there, you're like, okay, now what is my diversification? Based on my bankroll and my allocation, like how much risk do I want to take on on this slate in comparison to other slates? And at the end of the day, it just, it, it's a financial view. If you if you if you're if you're a, a stockbroker or a 
actuary or something like that. Like this is just second nature. Like this is that's what they do, right? If you're a portfolio manager of some type at a hedge fund, or I mean, like, like dude, must did like what what this stock this stock what what does this company do? And they go, I don't know what it does. I don't know what the company does. All I know is I have all these numbers and whatever, and just I'm just arranging them better than the market. And they go, okay, that's it. Jeff Balistereri says, Jordan took down another large field GPP two days ago. Thanks for all your help as always. The, the I, I'm assuming that's the GOAT, the GOAT DFS teacher. Well, congratulations. Uh, Trevor, do you ever consider the I'm giving up one medium projection but gaining eight points of ceiling compared to this other lineup or gaining some correlation? Thinking about your the, theory of DFS smart trim tool. Yes, that's another variable. Like we haven't gotten into that variable yet. Right, at least in the past three days, right? We can't do everything at once, right? There's there's like all these variables, and they're called contextual variables. At least I call them contextual variables. I talk about them all in the theory of DFS for advanced players. So if you wanted, how does this contextual vari- variable affect the type of lineup that you should be building? That's in one of the. That's literally one of the chapters. So if you want to, if you want to go to theoryofdfs.com and download it, you will you will get a reference guide and a ta- walkthrough of exactly what those variables are. But we'll be talking about them on this show, you know, not not in any type of structure, right? But if you want structure, you get you get the course. But yes, you'd like. Well, I'm sacrificing this. I'm not gaining any ownership, but I'm getting I'm getting a higher standard deviation in my lineup. I'm getting extra correlation. So that's a little bit boost in your line. Yeah. Those are other things. Those are the other levers, right? We're just talking about in general, building lineups. Where did the equity of your lineup land compared to your opponents? So you're basing what you enter and what lineups you play more based on that relative scale than just like the, just the absolute value of what you're doing. I want to get you in that mindset. Trevor says, uh, your smart trim in the theory of DFS portfolio. Trevor does that, this sort of blunt math for you. So you don't make these kind of projection versus ownership mistakes. That's correct. You can just get, you can, you can create 300 lineups at a time in lineup HQ and import like 10 sets of them. Like I have 3000 lineups and then go, I want to trim based on this. I want to trim based on that. I want to trim. And then we have a smart trim feature that those gaps that I'm talking about, eliminate all the gaps. And you press the button, it goes, depending on how many lineups, it makes like one, two, three, four, done. 3,000 lineups turn into like 57 lineups. And it's just like only the lineups that have a higher projection versus the ownership, like there you go. And then it'll even show you like the exposures of those 57 lineups, like who's in who's in those lineups the most. And then you go, oh, Based on this ownership, that means this guy, this guy, and this guy is probably under-owned. And that guy, these guys that don't appear are over-owned, assuming the ownership is correct. Like, you can do that. Done. Easy. Efficient. You don't have to sit through and, like, oh, I'm going to eliminate this, eliminate that. I'll sit in there for 10 minutes doing that. You can do it easily in Excel. This is, right? like I said, this is a blunt methodology. This is not a precise methodology. And Trevor says, yeah, 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 the smart trim for showdown lineups where you could smart trim for a grouping of lineups with a certain captain. Like smart trim for Joe Barrow captain, smart, smart, right. We even have it. So if you want to, if you don't want to just smart, like, oh, I want to smart trim all of my, my Palo Banchero lineups. It's like, okay. So only those lineups, right? You're able to do that in Excel with the tools 
theoryofdfs.com. Uh, can you demonstrate the smart trim? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I could have not, not, not today. We were running late, but yes, I demonstrate anything that's in the course, anything that's in the course, any Excel. I did that in the beginning when the the, the Excel tools came out in uh, what August or so, what August, September, some whatever, end of July, whenever it was. Uh, I did a lot on that. A lot of those shows. If we go back then, I, I showed off all the tools. But I mean, obviously, there's the Roto Grinders show, and uh, you know, obviously, we have our own. We we have. We have stuff. I mean, you have to use lineup HQ just to generate the lineups anyway. So you have to get roto grinders anyway. But I didn't, you know, didn't necessarily want to constantly be showing off like, oh, people tune in and all they see is like Excel on the screen, like all the time. But yes, 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 I, I will, I will demonstrate that. Uh, maybe, maybe we do that tomorrow. Maybe, maybe we do it tomorrow. Uh, Tank Forever says in my contest last night, I had the highest projected non duped lineup but did not cash feeling like you did everything right and still lose can be discouraging at time, but it's a marathon. Yeah. Remember GPPs pay typically the top, like 25%. And the, and like the top 25 to 15% is like 1.5 X or two X. Okay. So understand that if everything was equal, you're going to lose 75% of the time. That should be your expectation. You're going to be losing 75% of the time at minimum. And the more min-cash equity, remember, take a look at our my wonderful drawing. The best players in GPP are sacrificing min-cash equity for their higher-than-fair share of first place or top 1% equity, okay? They're sacrificing min-cashes. They're like, yeah, I can build a lineup that it has an easier shot at 155x or 2x, but I want to take that equity and move it to where most of the money is. Which means a lot of the best players, I, I, I've i said this many times before, but two years ago in MLB, I played a full season of MLB, right? I lost 94% of slides, 94, 92, 94, I think something like that, 94% of slates. 94% of slates, I put in money and I got back less. Doesn't mean I got back zero, but I got back less. And then when I told someone some, something, I, I went over this exact concept of like, you're going to, the average player would lose 75% of the time but not cash at all. I'm like, I lose 94, like I 180 slates, 94% of them. I got less money back. They said, wow, how much money did you lose in MLB? I said, no, I made like, like $40,000 in MLB. They were like nuts. Like how, how, how did you do that? Well, the 6% of time that I, that I did make money, I made a lot of money. Like welcome. That's where the equity is in the contest. So truthfully, the better you're playing GPPs, the more often you should be losing, right? It sounds weird, but that's true, right? So you should be losing 85% of the time, 90% of the time. But the times that you do win, you should be winning more. Don't worry about the min-cash equity. Oh, okay. Suki Singh says, uh, you've made it so easy to understand DFS profits loss. I've ever learned from any content creator. Hats off to you, sir. We'll under the goat. Okay. I, I'll, I'll always speak out about the compliments. Hit that thumbs up button. Jay Willie says, I just bought the course. So much valuable information that I didn't think about. Yes. Come, come stay. Watch the show. Watch the replay. I mean, we have a podcast feed also. You can listen to this stuff later if you want. Just come. If you have any questions, just come here in the YouTube chat at 11 o'clock in the morning. Or, uh, or email, email them in 
questions at theoryofdfs.com. I will get to them all, right? They will be discussed on the show. So the, don't if you don't get a response or you don't hear like, oh, they I emailed, you know, last week and I, they still not, not talked about that. Like it's it's in my inbox. Trust me. Even if it's part of a show where I just do like a, a mailbag episode and they're kind of quick hitters, they will be covered. So that's what I want for this show. Unstructured learning. Trevor says, same concept uh, concept in poker multi-table tournaments. Eric Seidel, who's one of the great, great, great Hall of Fame poker player, tells his students often that they're cashing too much. He says they're often going for mid-cash equity too much. Not enough aggression for first place wins. Absolutely. Right? Where does the, where does the money come from? Where does the equity lie? In poker, it's the same thing as DFS. Top spots. Right? You're aiming for the, you're aiming for the final table. Right, even if you're gonna cash, you know, at, you know, get right over the bubble with a short stack and cash a little bit more often, it's just you're not you're not gonna be able to do that enough to be profitable. You need to go with to where the money is. Okay, so do we have a title for the show? I know the YouTube chat typically comes up with a title. What should what should we be calling this? Uh, relative some something something useful. I don't know what what what. Uh, I don't know, relative value differences between lineups or uh, relative, rel- I don't know. Where the equity, I mean, what do you, I don't know. I don't know. Projection versus ownership game. Yeah, really it is. You're absolutely right, Trevor. This is kind of, this is a gambit because we're doing an exploit. It's an exploit. Projection, I I almost rather call it an exploit than a gambit. It, it, technically, you're you're correct. So, yeah. Projection versus ownership exploit. I like using the term exploit. Number one, it's a nice little clickbaity thing. It's like, oh, there's this thing, exploit. There's this secret thing. I think it may be better exploiting, projection. Uh, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Call it what, why we semantics. Exploiting projection versus ownership. Exploiting like something. So yeah, whatever. Projection versus ownership exploit. We're probably going to be talking about this three months from now. I'll probably be going over this the same example, like from someone else, right? Probably, that, that'll be like revisited. We'll do that same title and it'll say revisited or something. Uh, so yeah, so that's fine. So there, projection versus ownership. Exploit, uh, another long show, but uh, I'm I'm just enjoying the fact that you, that you guys are learning, right? As long as you're learning and, uh, you know, I'm not yelling at people that are asking me 2v2s. I think, I, th- I think we had a good day, right? <laughs> right? As long as I'm not saying that you go back and watch all the stuff that no one could possibly do. Right, that we we pretty much had a we pretty much had a good show. So send in your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. We got a show to, uh, tomorrow, Friday, you know, because MMA is not back until another week. So we got tons of stuff to talk about here. Uh, hit that thumbs up button as usual. We got Grinders Live later tonight. We got a- N- NFL. We got Week 18. Week 18. Remember, who knows who's going to play? Like I, I don't, I don't know what the content is. We don't even know. Have to people like half a series. It's going to be nuts. Some people say that maybe one of the bigger edge weeks, but who knows? But there's tons of NFL content here at Roto Grinders. Uh, I'll be I'll be talking on the Game Theory Show on Friday, and uh, and yeah. So hope hope you had a good time. Hope you learned some stuff here because I'm here Monday through Friday, ten o'clock east, uh, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock Eastern, ten o'clock Central. Right, the the real time, as Dean Dean would say, uh, answering your DFS strategy questions here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.